And, and, and you're, you're recording? I am recording. Yes. That is amazing. I'm really tickled. Uh, I'm really tickled by this. This is awesome. <laughs> All right. So, so I have this. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to ask, like, is the sound quality okay? Like, that sound dampened a little bit and um i think i think it is okay uh i've actually recorded and had stuff at much lower quality because like one time um, when we were doing this in my kitchen it put up little sound panels and the thing is it was still like we're having dinner and drinking and stepping outside to smoke and like it was these like instrument microphone their vocal microphones but it was a haphazard particular thing and ultimately it was pretty okay this is probably 10 times better than the way that sound setup was all right. Well, that's my only goal is to be 10 times better than any of your other episodes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, I have, I have this idea that um, I usually uh, I have adhered to for a long time. It's a kind of a, like a long time ago, a friend of mine, back when we were like in college, he was actually 16 and I was in college. He was just really advanced for his age. He was real smart. He ended up graduating high school early and graduating college early. But he described this idea to me about like we were talking about physics and that kind of armchair young man physics way that you do where you don't really know what you're talking about, but you speak in headlines. But he knew a little bit more. And he said this thing about unified theory is like if you could have this little one inch equation that could explain everything. And if you say where to put this little one inch equation into um, into a computer, you'd get back out like it run all the fractal problems fractal programs and it'd all come out and it'd be the world we see and so i have like this phrase and i find that other people have a phrase similar to it that's their go-to mark twain internalized thing that's just a fundamental truth that they've walked away from life with and mine is everything is everything all of the time and it it manifests itself and everything from like if there is a married couple and they have an argument about the dirty dish in the sink it's not about the dirty dish it is, but the dirty dish is also all the other shit. And just like, you know, when one kid is bullying another, that's a big red flag because that kid's going to grow up to still be an asshole. Like, it's right. everything. Those things, a, yeah. those things don't exist in a vacuum. Right. Like they, they come from something. They came from some kind of context. And they, they fold into each other. Like, there was another idea, um, as my, that same friend years later, about this idea. And he said there was some kind of Hindu thing called Indra's net, where it's an infinite net of jewels. And each jewel is reflected in all of the other jewels. And all of the other jewels are reflected in each and every single jewel. And so it's this thing that I chase and I apply to things. And it gives me comfort. It gives me, like, a kind of a lighthouse on the shore when I'm trying to make sense of where I'm at and what the thoughts are and, you know, what the point of it all is. I was wondering, do you have anything similar or analogous, this kind of like a a fundamental truth that you are walking away from life with at this point? Well, fuck, I have not had nearly as much to drink tonight as I did last night, so I'm not nearly as chatty. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I've not, got a, not a problem. I've, I've got a couple of things, uh, a couple of ideas that you were reminding me of. I don't know if they fit perfectly with that, but just kind of how I view uh, existence and our experience of it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, something that Carl Sagan said uh 
resonated with me when I, even when I was too young to actually understand it, which was that uh, we are the universe experiencing itself. Uh, that's not a new thing. A lot of smart people or people who want to be smart and can read have read that. Um, but it really... That's a, that's a thought that I go back to uh, periodically just because it's such a, a mind-blowing thing. Even though it's so simple, it's such a mind-blowing thing to try and conceptualize. Like, I remember the first time I read that same thing. And I felt similarly. Like it was, it is. It's so simple that you know. It at the moment, at, at in you know, twenty years down the road, it's kind of like, well, how is that you know so revolutionary? But it's like light switches. I mean, you you take it for granted now, but it's just the idea that we are matter that has come together uh, in such a way that, like. He also says you're made of the same stuff that stars are made of, just yeah. as a way to express like matter is matter. It doesn't it doesn't matter, uh, and your matter has formed uh, to make this thing that can think about itself and then experience the rest of the thing, which is really all just one big thing. I. I I guess it's just all things. I saw this meme-style thing. It was like a picture of a nebula, and the words on it were, on a long enough timeline, hydrogen starts to wonder where it came from. And it's a similar oh. thing, of like, because that's the first yeah. simplest <laughs> element, but you give it time. There was also another thing that recently I heard where, um, given enough time, the sun will begin to emit Teslas because all it is is feeding energy into a, into a system. And now we have, like, Teslas hurling through space in orbit around Mars. Right. Yeah. And just the... God damn, I lost my thought. See, this is, this is the kind of shit you can, you'll, you'll be able to easily cut out, right? Exactly. Um, but it's also the practice of, like... Because to me, when I sit down and want to do this, I understand that there will be this phase where you're climbing up the mountain... And then it takes a minute to get right. to like, oh, I can see for miles from here, and but right. I, but I want to climb the mountain first. I don't I don't I don't want to. I'm not trying to eschew or obfuscate that part of the journey. So I enjoy this as much as when we get there. All right, because it's probably going to be less attaining the the peak of the mountain and more like Sisyphus. Yeah, uh, you get to the top and then it all just rolls back down, and then you got to do it all over again. Why, why, why would he not just let the rock crush him if he was truly unhappy and tortured? I mean, if you if he's if he he's waited. already dead though, oh. it's not going to kill him. Oh, it would just crush oh. him on its way back down to the bottom of the hill, and then he'd just have to get up crushed and go wow. <laughs> go back down and start pushing There's it again. No escape. Wow. There is no escape. Like, um, which takes me back to the thought that I had before. Um, it's also an incredibly comforting thought to, for me anyway, to think um, just we are the universe experiencing itself because whenever I get really existential and like start thinking about, oh, what's the point? Like, why are we here? Why am I here? Why, what, like, why does any of this matter? That thought reminds me that it really doesn't. Like, I'm the same stuff as the rock over there. I just, it, I happen to be able to think of myself and other people. So 
there's not any baked-in purpose, this is an accident. Which is terrifying for a lot of people, but to me is like, oh, well, whew, that's a load-off. That, that is a relief that I'm not supposed to find some uh, larger purpose, uh, unless it's one that I give myself. See, that's where I think the magic happens. Because so anything, um, I have this other, like, it's, it's like the plan B phrase. It's that um, everything, nothing matters and everything's connected. And what it means is that if you fail one test in the fourth grade, you should not get depressed to the degree that you fail all your other tests thinking you're a failure. Like, you should just, like, pick yourself, dust yourself off, and realize that one test doesn't matter. But at the same time, the yin-yang relationship of it all is that it does matter if, if you fail that one and the next one and the next one and the next one every single one heads up so they all do matter but now you take that a little further so like i am me and i've got kids and i've got ambitions and i have hobbies and i have these small little goals i want to accomplish especially when i was 20 you had all these huge ideas so like so yeah, the the tests matter, but they only matter because you've decided to make them matter. Like you've decided that they matter. Right. Like they're they you're not you're not given a purpose is what I'm saying, which I think is what a lot of people are are like they're trying to figure out like what the fuck is the point of all this? You know, the the point is whatever you want to fucking make it. Right. If you want if you want to go to Africa and help rescue elephants, then that's the point. If and it, it's I don't know. It's attached. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I think it's like what you're saying is I feel like it's attached. It makes me think about how I think it's attached to the uh, be in the moment or be here now thing. Because if you zoom out and you zoom out and you zoom out, it all becomes meaningless. Like you've seen those things where they um, explain how the timeline of the universe, like 14 billion years, if you made that a 12 month calendar at this point, we're on like December 27th of you know, 12, 15, right. it, with such a tiny sliver of time that we're here. So if you zoom out, it gets real meaningless. But if you are, if you're right here, if you're sitting in your seat and you're doing the goddamn thing that you're doing as best you can, then all of a sudden that kind of washes away. You, you don't feel it, that. You can feel something that's actually worthwhile. Right. It, it's, it has as much meaning as you want to attach to it. Right. So, which is why, like, a lot of the time I'm, like, you know, people will say, well, what's the point of video games? What's the point of um, the soft sciences and stuff? Like, what's the point of all this? Like, what do you get out of this? It's like, well, those things are just as valuable as anybody can ascribe value to them. And, fuck, I think I'm losing my, tra my train there. But um, have you ever seen the Cohen Brothers movie? Are you a Cohen Brothers fan? Yes. So you've seen Burn After Reading? Which, uh, yeah, but actually that's one of the ones that I didn't watch like with as a rapt attention as the other ones. Um, I just remember uh, Brad Pitt being real goofy. So, yeah, it's Brad Pitt being real goofy. And the entire time I'm watching that movie... Uh, as kind of a, you know, I've, when it comes to Coen Brothers, I don't, I'm going to make an admission here. Um, so keep me anonymous Can on do. your podcast. Can do. Um, <laughs> I don't fucking get it with the Coen Brothers or I didn't. I like the big Lebowski. Uh huh. I don't get it. Wow. I don't get why people are so crazy for the big Lebowski. I don't. 
I and I'm a fan of cinema. Like right, I love right. cinema. I I don't get uh, no no country for old men. Don't fucking get it. Like it's like they set up. Uh, wow, this is an ADD tangent, but they set up a really interesting story, and then they subvert it and make it real. And it's like, well, what? The, that's not what the fuck I'm here for. It, I mean, I. That was a tough one to watch at the by the at the end. Like that was a tough one to like. Uh, oh, oh. It just whoa. fucking ended, and <laughs> like so many stories, just fucking ended out of nowhere. And but, uh, Burn After Reading is a movie that I've only ever seen one time and 95% of my time spent watching it I was like this is a stupid fucking movie I hate everybody in this goddamn movie what was the point of making this fucking movie maybe that's the why last, I don't remember it so well the last 5 seconds of that movie and you have to pay you have to pay attention to the the rest of the movie the last 5 seconds of that movie fucking flipped it into a movie that I think about almost every goddamn day. <laughs> I, the last five seconds. I definitely and don't that's remember when that I was, part. Uh, I mean, I don't... Do you mind if I just tell you why it, it's meaningful oh, to me? Oh, absolutely. And how this movie's been out forever. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I have seen so, it, but... So the entire time you're watching the movie, it's like, these are a bunch of stupid fucking people doing stupid fucking things. Stupid fucking things happen to them because of their stupid fucking actions. Like, this is all a big clusterfuck where everybody's... Nobody understands anybody else and everybody's... Like, this misunderstanding leads to... It's a comedy of errors. And then in the last five seconds, George Clooney and some other actor is, is are sitting on a park bench and you're still thinking oh these stupid fucking idiots and then the camera zooms out and zooms out and zooms out and zooms out and zooms out until you're like above the entire planet and you see, you have a global view of the entire world and it's like oh fuck that was the point oh this is like that everybody all these <laughs> oh well, not necessarily everybody's stupid, but just like all of these big goddamn problems that we think we have, all of these crises and all of the things that we get worked up over because the entire like the entire cast gets worked up over shit throughout the entire movie. Everything that we get worked up over doesn't matter. It does not fucking matter. And we're back. And we're back. It's 108. Fabian and the douche. A and A. Did you know my first job was a radio DJ? Really? I was 17 years old. I believe it. It was pretty, um, it was pretty cool. What? what uh, adult, like on... Peter Cetera, Kenny Loggins, adult contemporary... Okay, like what radio station? Was it local to here? No, I guess it wouldn't be. It nah. would be... So the, in uh, the town I grew up in, uh, like actually the next town over, there's a little station called KVMA, <laughs> and a buddy of mine who had had a million different jobs. Like he was in high school, he was always getting jobs, like Pizza Place or this or Burger King. He had all these jo different jobs at different places. Because I guess he wouldn't just keep a job. 
or he just decided to stop showing up to a job. But at some point, he like whittled down his options to the radio station, and they <laughs> hired him. And then, whenever I graduated high school and I learned to drive, because um, I like for some reason I just didn't want to drive, so I waited till like the summer after I graduated, and I was 17. Um, Me too. Yeah, and I uh, he's like, man, you should just apply at KVMA. And so I go and I apply, and they have me do a little test recording thing, and they hired me. I could not believe it. And uh, it was kind of a tricky job because, like, it had all these things that run to a schedule. I had it all written down on a little cheat sheet of paper, and there's tapes that have to play here. And every once in a while, somebody would call and say, what happened to the garden show today? It was not on. And I had realized, oh, I forgot to play a show. And that's my job. The radio didn't work because of me. Um, <laughs> that was that was your first experience with like if I don't do something then everything fucks up. Yeah, and everybody knows like all these all those <laughs> listeners like at least hundreds at least hundreds. It was not the big biggest town in the world. Um, but, my, but uh, if I can share my experience with radio, yeah, um, in Flippin, Arkansas, um, and that's not an expletive. That's a town name, Flippin, it's, Arkansas. It's perfect. Um, every every day on the ride to school, the bus passed the flippin' Church of Christ, which I thought was hilarious then, and I still do now. Um, but I was I wrote a short story and ended up in GT class, and the, for some reason the GT kids were responsible for uh, putting together and then presenting the morning announcements every day, and. Like, it turned out that I was pretty good at putting them together. So a lot of the time I got volunteered to present. Uh, and they always did it in pairs, like, switching back and forth. And one day, I just decided to... I, Because, you know, fucking fourth graders, whenever they read, they read, they read very monotone. Like... Yeah. I've been accused of having a pretty monotone voice. Um, this is even more so, like, just kind of that robotic thing. Like, they don't go off script. They don't do anything but just they read what's on the page and blah, blah, blah. And it's super fucking boring. I find it hard to listen to when there's not a melody to the speech. One day, uh, I just got tired of that. And, you know, I was... Never a popular kid in school, but I was especially not in fucking flipping Arkansas, <laughs> where everybody else's daddy goes hunting on the weekends, and my dad is like an English teacher. Um, I I didn't fit in with any of those redneck spawn, uh, and sorry, I'm being a little unfair. I had a similar but, experience. It's cool. <laughs> uh, I didn't fit in with any of them. And I decided one day to, you know what? Fuck it. And I just go out on a limb. Like, I make the decision before we're going to, before we go on. I don't tell anybody. And I just, I get to my part and I'm just like, good morning, everybody. This is Corwin with your morning announcements. <laughs> and like, I just fucking, I go off like, good morning, Vietnam, before I'd ever watched the goddamn movie. And like, afterward, the, my partner, who I also happen to have a huge crush on, <laughs> and a like, little fourth grade crush I mean, on. I mean, this sealed the deal. Uh, no, she was looking at me like I'd fucking lost my mind. 
Yeah, that uh, deal is sealed. <laughs> yeah, that's sealed. Sealed with me on the wrong side of it. Um, she's looking at me like I've lost my fucking mind. Um, and all of the kids are making fun of me for it later. All the grown-ups, though, are like, that was great. That was amazing. So they got the reference. Like, well, I, I, I wasn't making a reference. I just was like, okay, let me make it sound like a radio right, show. Right. Like, let me make it interesting. Let me try to be oh, excited about it. They and were enjoying that, yeah. The, the the All of the teachers, all of the adults were like, that was awesome. And all the kids are like, what the, f- what is wrong with you? And so I never did it again. And I always think about that as like, man, I should have done it again. Like I should have made, I wish I had the confidence to just say, no, fuck you. Like I'm going to, I want to do this. This is something fun. This is something that actually makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Um, fuck you. Like all of my peers, big middle fingers. Fuck all y'all. I remember uh, later in high school, like my senior, junior year and senior year, I got uh, a lot more comfortable in doing goofy things and like being comfortable enough that everybody started to kind of go along with it. And uh, mm-hmm. But the first time I tried one of those things, I was in eighth grade and my best friend was super cool. He'd like moved to stamps from California for some reason. And uh, like just really, really cool guy, which made like I had just gotten glasses. Like I was still like my mom picked out all my clothes, which she did awesome. But there was not like anything that was going to make me look like Zach Morris. And I had no context for myself of like what I should be doing different to be cool. I just read a lot of comic books. I watched a whole lot of TV. Like I, I didn't really I didn't play sports. I didn't do a lot of the other things that other kids did. I didn't go to youth group night on Wednesday nights at the church. I just, I was doing my own thing. Um, so I didn't, I knew I didn't fit in. I was hyper aware of this. Um, right. But like one day I, somewhere I picked up the knowledge that all Magnavox remotes work on all Magnavox TVs. And so, <laughs> and, okay. And all of our, I, I, I look forward to this. I'm sorry. I oh, don't you're good, you're good. In all of our classrooms, like we had, we watched channel one. Did you have channel one? Uh, thought channel started it too okay it was a weird what the fuck was channel some one? kind of weird program where like schools were sponsored to get television sets mounted on the walls in the school if they would play channel one for 15 minutes every morning and channel one was like specially designed educational programming like uh, oh god what's your name uh anderson cooper he was on channel one like really seeing him now he was like a, the Hi, we're the Youth School Television Network. I'm anchor Anderson Cooper. He's like in the jungle with gorillas. And this other Asian girl who is also on CNN or one of those things. I cannot remember it. It escapes me. Anyway, um, but people well, have seen. What does it say about you that you can remember the guy's name, but you can't remember the lady's name? Well, he's, he's, got, some, he's got some charisma. I mean, he leaves, he I, leaves an impression. But um, she does, actually, she yeah. does too. But anyway, so all we have all these TVs and we watch them in the morning for 15 minutes and then we turn them off. And they never get used any time outside of that. Uh, but in math class, I had put this remote up my sleeve and like I surreptitiously reach behind me and click on the TV. And then every course, they're like the, the class goes crazy. Like, oh, what's going on? The teacher goes and turns it off. And I turn it back on. She turns it off. And I turn it back on and I switch it to MTV. <laughs> and because uh, we actually had full cable television to the school as well. I don't know what's, what that was about. Um, they needed something in the teacher's lounge. Obviously. Actually, actually, you're right. I believe that now. That That's the missing puzzle piece there. Puzzle piece. 
but as I'm doing this, I'm like shaking nervous. And whenever like I tell the teacher like, ah, it's me, I did it. Like I'm shaking nervous still. Oh, and, God, yes. and she wasn't mad, she was happy. She was like, oh, that's so funny. But I didn't know how to deal with the adrenaline rush of the attention of like, right. what do I say next? And, or even the compliment of like, oh, that was funny. You did something amusing to all of us. I didn't know what to do with that. Uh, and so it was just real uncomfortable. It's, it's this like, wow, I have this. I, I, I have the capability of doing this thing, but I am so goddamn afraid of everything that I never take advantage of that. And that's something that I look back with regret now because it's like, man, if I could go back knowing what I know now that it's fucking stupid and doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, like, just think of all the things that you're doing now that years from now you're going to be like, man, I wish I realized that that didn't matter and I didn't have to be worried about it. But, uh, like, just... I, most of my most of my regrets in life come from the wish that I hadn't been as afraid as I was. Yeah. To do the thing that I wanted to do, like just fucking let her rip on the goddamn intercom, or um, there there was this other thing. Like for some reason, it's always bothered me. Children reading with that mm -hmm. monotone robotic voice. Yeah. We're reading it. We're reading in class, and it's like it's some some book. There are some uh, Latino characters, and all of the other kids are just reading these. Um, I can't remember exactly, but I think they were they were Mexican immigrants. They were reading these Mexican immigrants as um, just completely monotone white kids, and then it got to me, little fifth grade me, and I I get to my chapter to read and i'm like hi senor like i i try to actually do an accent and i'm sure it's a, i'm sure it was completely offensive but yeah. it wasn't <laughs> but i was i was making the attempt because i was just like god damn y'all are boring I, I i would rather be terrified than be boring so yeah let me let me do this thing and then afterward of course everybody was like what the fuck are you doing and the teacher was like that was awesome See, I feel so. like if I tried dancing at some point in my life 20, 30 years ago, like now it would not be the, like this in, impossible mountain to climb. But now can I, <laughs> I can't imagine busting a, a whole move. Like what, what? How do you do that? All right, so I'm going to make another admission. You're going to make me uh, 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 anonymous, right? Absolutely. Right. This never okay. happened. I'm, uh, I'm going to burn these tapes. Totally happened. Um, you know what? doesn't matter, so don't even bother making me anonymous. Oh, wow. Bring I'm going to make circle. admission. Nice. Um, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Michael Jackson. Um, and, like, like, wow, Michael Jackson is just so goddamn confident and cool, and he's got an amazing voice, and he can move. Like, he's everything that I'm not. Um, so, what I would do is I would... Troll VH1, because even back when I was a kid, MTV didn't fucking play music videos. Uh, VH1 was the option if you actually wanted to see music videos. Mm -hmm. um, so I would troll VH1, and I would just... I had a special tape that I had in the, VH, uh, the VCR whenever I was doing this, and I was just 
waiting for a Michael Jackson music video to come on. And I was just sitting there. And as soon as they were like, oh, next up, Michael Jackson, blah, blah, blah. I'd hit record. So, I don't know, somewhere in my mom's attic is a VHS tape full of Michael Jackson music videos. Because I just... And Michael Jackson music videos and also the uh, the Moonwalker movie. Did you ever see that shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was uh, epic to me. Like, that was like weirdly... Uh, like, ex- like, all, like actual magic. Like it, for some reason it crossed some border to me when he like turns into the giant robot and Joe Pesci right. is like the gangster. It was next level. It was more than just uh, like, oh, this is some cool special effects. Part of me kind of believed it at the time. Maybe watching maybe, it, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> watching is it an, watching it as an adult. I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. Until I remember how I felt when I was a kid when I was watching it, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah. Which says something about Michael Jackson. Like, he, he was able to tap into that. Like, you know, I don't... I think Michael Jackson never fucking grew up. Um, which is kind of why I was like, wow, I can admire this guy. But at the same time, I can kind of identify with him at the same time. Anyway, so there, there's this VHS tape of all of these Michael Jackson music videos and performances. There was also, like, a live concert where he fucking flew in in a jetpack or something. I've... Uh, Michael Jackson was crazy. (laughs) And what I would do, um, and this VHS tape makes me think that I was ahead of my time because at the time I was like, man, I want to be able to watch these videos on demand. And now we have YouTube. So, um, like, but I I would pop the, the, uh, VHS tape in and this goes back to like five hours ago when I started talking, um, where, I would pop the VHS tape in and I would mimic Michael Jackson's moves. <laughs> like I would just watch him and then I'd rewind, watch him again. Man, like, I wish okay, I'd done no, that. My, my, my movement isn't exactly right. Blah, blah, blah. And it fuck, it still carries, like I still, uh, especially when I'm in a fucking hurry and trying to get from point A to point B and like I'll still like kind of, I don't moonwalk around, like, I, I never moonwalked through Walgreens, but I'll do, like, little weaves and spins and shit yeah. uh, that I learned from Michael Jackson. Dude, that is, that's actually pretty awesome, like, just the body awareness, like, the, the cognitive connection to how you can move or shift your weight, like, body economy almost. That is actually pretty cool. I would encourage everybody to yeah. just get a bunch of Michael Jackson videos together and try to imitate that guy for a few hours a day. <laughs> like I did. Cause I was a latchkey kid and my, cause my parents had to work and my brother was, uh, my older brother is so much older than me that he, by the time I was aware and able to make decisions and do things, he was out of the house. Uh, so like I basically an only child, um, Anyway, so that's a fucking tangent. My brother's like uh, 18 months older than me, which is kind of interesting because we were able to like be friends to some degree, but also we fought constantly. But the upside of it, the big upside is like now he lives in, I think like um, Berlin, New Hampshire? I think it's New Hampshire. Um, and we get to see each other like once a year. 
and so we text and we um, talk on the phone every once in a while and all of the references the most inside possible jokes like the most obscure literally unless you are a child laughing at this nonsensical thing that we put together of words that we had just heard like you wouldn't get it but because it's so deeply rooted it's the best shit ever and whenever Cobra Kai came out, I started watching it. I immediately, like, five minutes into, like, I loved it. Did you see Cobra Kai? I started watching Cobra Kai, and um, I... So I have a hard time with kind of the back to burn after reading. I have a hard time enjoying media with no admirable characters. Oh, And yeah. the obvious yeah. main character <laughs> is, I think... and. and this is where you get to call me out for for because y- you are of Mexican descent or or Latino descent, right? Correct. Cor- correct. Okay. Um, I I don't mean to assume a nationality or anything, but I am um, a quarter Japanese, eight fifteenths Hawaiian, two um, percent Eskimo, but now we prefer Inuit. Um, right. I, uh, actually, I've, I've joked before that whenever I walk in, people don't know uh, what race I am. They don't know if I'm here to blow up the building or fix their computer. <laughs> oh, not, God. not the most politically correct joke, but I feel like I can make it. Yeah, I mean, you get to. Uh, so it kind of... Like, I feel like I'm on shaky ground here, but... In Cobra Kai, like, one of the first goddamn things he says to uh, the little, the, the, the teenager kid is he makes some racist fucking joke. Oh, yeah. And I think he even calls him a beaner. Uh, he he does, says some real inappropriate shit, and the kid has to, like, correct him and, like, try and catch him up. Like, homophobic stuff and, like, mm-hmm. ignorant racial stuff, like, clearly because he's stuck in the 80s. Right. Well, which I'm sure is the point of the show, but when the like the first time I I, I heard him do that, I was like, "Fucking, I'm out. I, I can't, I can't do this." So that you enjoy it so much is making me reevaluate. Like, oh my god, am I just overly sensitive? Like, am I am I being offended for other people way more than they are? Like, oh god, am I? Oh, have I gone back around to being a different kind of racist? <laughs> Which is <laughs> the weird thing about being a, you know, a w- cis white liberal progressive. Yeah, the, the, like, oh. the white man's new burden. <laughs> I, ugh, white man's burden. Did you know that there's a John Travolta movie called White Man's Burden? I feel like I did. But I can't remember this movie, and I don't. Um, I don't have any like cognitive, like like a conscious awareness of it. But I, I've it never so seen. I've never seen the goddamn movie. All I, all I, it's but it's stuck in my head because I saw the cover at a friend's house, and it was Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, and I was like, oh my god, how have I never heard of this movie? And it's called White Man's Burden, and I was like, oh, that's why. And the whole idea is, like, what if uh, white were black? Like, what if being Caucasian was put you in the minority? So, basically, it's like, if you are white, you are 
in the black role. Was that the synopsis of the movie? Is that what the movie's about? Yeah, that's what the movie's about. Not... Whoa. It, it's Right? It sounds like wow. an interesting idea, but at the same time, so cringe. Like, oh, man, if they did not do this right, yeah. this would be so goddamn cringeworthy. And the fact that I've never heard of this movie outside of seeing the cover at a friend's house leads me to believe they did not do it right. <laughs> um, but it's like, okay, what if, what, what if like being cis, I, they, it was the nineties, so they probably didn't even bring up cis, but what yeah, if being white word. or an abbreviation, right? Uh, what if being white puts you in the minority? I'm like, Oh, let's show people in the minority and in the, in the um, the kind of the, the cast aside, the the repressed, suppressed minority, but let's make them look like, let's make them white people so that maybe white people will understand because it's like, oh, characters that look like me are in this position. I don't know. It's an interesting idea, but man, I, I'm afraid to watch it. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a movie called Bullworth starring Warren Beatty? I've never heard of that movie. Okay, it used to be on the um, the shelf at the video store when I was a kid, and I always thought the word was weird. And one time I ended up watching it with my brother, and uh, it's really, well, I remember it being really, really cool. Uh, what happens is Warren Beatty uh, plays like a senator who has some kind of weird crisis or breakdown, like he doesn't sleep for a few days. And he's just, like, starting to come unraveled. And then he just bails. Like, he just goes and hauls out of the car, the fancy car, and he just starts walking the streets. And he ends up, like, in the hood. And, like, he's talking crazy and he's doing odd things. And, uh, like, Halle Berry, like, takes him in. And, uh, like, he ends up learning, I guess, a little bit about, like, the the ethnic culture, the, the these, you know, underprivileged neighborhoods. And, like... He starts to get familiar with that, but then somehow it all circles back around through much confusion and hilarity to he, this like either debate or speech he's supposed to give, and he shows up, and he starts go, like going off uh, about race issues and like breaking some shit down. Like at one point, it culminates with him saying, "We all just need to start keep fucking until we're all just one color." And <laughs> Warren Beatty wrote the movie. I was really impressed but it's kind of wow. it's kind of forgotten now but like in my memory at least in that context of the time it was a pretty like it was pretty awesome like it made its point well and it made an interesting point and i was surprised that they actually went that direction with it that that reminds me of an interview i saw with uh, hopefully you being the the more musically inclined of us um can remind me who this person might be uh levy letty eugene levy um, he's a guitarist. Not Eugene Levy. Um, Lemmy, Lemmy, Lemmy. Yeah. I think it's Lemmy. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, Not who... Eugene Levy. Lemmy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, fucking Motley Crue was that? Um, Lemmy was. Um, he was in a band called Hawkwind, and for a lot of the time, I think he was in. His name is Lemmy Kilmeister. What was his fucking band? Was he not just Lemmy? I'm having a brain fart, but I... well. Anyway, he's like it's a an interview from the 1970s, yeah, or something. I don't know the video. I, I'm completely making that up based on video quality, uh, which oddly enough, like 
1970s starts looking good, and then 1980s they switch everything to video instead of film, and everything looks way shittier. Yeah. Um, which explains why the original broadcast of The Next Generation looks like a c- complete ass. <laughs> wow. Uh, sorry, I'm drinking and I'm ADD, and it doesn't help. Um, I always flip channels when I watch TV, so it's cool. Um, the was watching an interview with him and he's like they hand him a letter from a fan and he reads the letter and it's uh he's it's in the uk so not quite the same context as being black in america but if you've ever read um uh dear sir i think Uh, you got me i don't i don't read books man well only instruction manuals there's this book where uh, a black man becomes a teacher in the UK, I think, and his mother called him Sir. Like, that was his name. Uh, because fr- she was I, like. I have a friend who named his kid Mr., but go on. Uh, well, she named, his, she named her kid Sir because she's like, that's the only way that any white man will call you Sir. That's funny. Um, and it was in the UK. So, I don't know. It's my one experience or my one point of reference for racism in the uk um but uh he's reading this letter from a a fan who's black uh in the uk who's saying like you know all of my friends listen to um you know hip i don't know whatever the 70s 80s equivalent of hip-hop or rap was um and they make fun of me for listening to you and Lemmy goes like, like Lemmy being Lemmy, he just folds the letter up afterwards, and it's like, dude, just listen to whatever you want. Eventually, we're all gonna be fucking so much, we're we're gonna be a shade of tan anyway. Oh wow! Like this fucking burnout probably has done more drugs oh, than yeah. I think I realize exists in the world. Yeah, is making that is just like, fucking, bruh, like. We're all going to be a shade of tan anyway. <laughs> and then saying wow, it on I... national television, I was like, God damn, Lemmy. All right. <laughs> but I hadn't really heard that sentiment reflected anywhere else other than that particular movie. That's cool to hear that come. No, it's funny sometimes where the rock stars are quite so progressive. Like, were you a Nirvana fan? Are you familiar with Kurt Cobain very much? I'm familiar with Kurt Cobain, and he was like trans positive. Bef- like way fucking yeah. before it was cool it was like trans positive gay positive like I think that's one of the one of the things that caused his depression was just being like man this all sucks everybody sucks <laughs> like the the world that I currently inhabit is so awful and he was just so far ahead of everybody else <laughs> that it made him goddamn sad yeah a man out of time to see to feel hopeless in the place that you are because so widespread and also like he was um he grew up in a small town and then he ended up like standing on stages in front of like thousands of people tens of thousands of people and he'd look out in the crowd and he'd see all the people that shat on him in school are now like pretending to be his fans because like they're the big thing on mtv and to think is is this what i represent or is this what i where I've landed, am I serving them? Like, all those kind of things. Like, what the? F- How did it come to this? I can only imagine. Yeah, you're. I'm sure that did contribute to the depression. Have you? Uh, to bring it back around to the nihilism uh, thing, which 
I wow, uh, that was about an hour ago, um, where nothing matters, all, all that good stuff. Uh, let's bring up Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, whatever. Nietzsche. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Nietzsche. Uh, it's real niche, Nietzsche. Um, uh, unless you're talking to people who think they're smart, which I think all smart people just think they're smart. But um, are, are you familiar with the concept of the Ubermensch? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, I know I did until I started reading about it, um, they saw the con- they saw Ubermensch and they immediately associated it with Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you thought of? Um, I haven't necessarily, I've read a, um, more like secondhand opinions of it. I haven't read the source material, but like whenever I've heard about it, like Ubermensch, I've heard of Nazi references and I've heard like um, Joe Shuster and Dan Jurgens who created Superman, like that mm-hmm. idea was come from them, had come from, it was inspired by reading those writings as well, this idea of a Superman. Right, which I, I might talk about Superman here in a little bit if we're going to continue talking about race but um uh the idea of the ubermensch is uh in as to the best of my understanding is um nietzsche was actually talking about somebody who uh derived their morality their uh view of the world from within rather than accepting what was taught to them so an Ubermensch is not just going to say, like, oh, gay people, bad. Uh, the Ubermensch is actually going to stop and think, uh, okay, well, why are gay people bad? And come to their own conclusions. Um, like, famously, for the guy who said God is dead, uh, he used Jesus Christ as an example of an, of an Ubermensch. Because, you know, of his time... Mary Magdalene is about to get stoned to death and Jesus steps forward and says, hold the fuck on. (laughs) Step back. Like you guys are fucking perfect. Like the, the guy who stands up to the society that he was raised in and rejects it in favor of his own conclusions. Uh, So Jesus Christ is uh, an example of an Ubermensch. Kurt Cobain was in my head, in my mind, the Ubermensch of the fucking nineties or wow. late eighties. I had so, not heard that description or explanation of it, and I love that. It's actually really psychedelic. Like that is a. I don't know why that's not more. Uh, maybe I missed it. I was about to say I don't know why that's not more common knowledge. Maybe it's not my knowledge, but that is awesome. I had not heard that explanation. It. Okay, so. I'll, uh, I'll admit something else. That explanation is something that I think I... St- I don't know what the fuck I was looking up. I stumbled across it in, like, the late 2000s or early 2000s, uh, still in high school, and I was like, what the fuck is Nietzsche? And... Because I still said Nietzsche at the time. Um, and I started just reading random shit. So that interpretation could totally just be somebody's interpretation of Nietzsche from some goddamn blogspot website somewhere. Oh, okay. I, so I don't, I, I have, I'm not exactly sure that that's the truth of what Nietzsche meant, 
But at the same time, I don't want to go back and I don't want to go back and find out that it's wrong because that interpretation has been something that is in my mind and something that I think about a lot uh, anytime like I, I, I'm anytime I'm faced with like, oh, well, this is a weird thing. Well, I don't know. Is it weird? Think of the Ubermensch. I can see where you know? it would have been could have been given as a refutation to the original, like if the original uh, uh, explanation of it was actually different. I can see where somebody mm. might have refuted is, you know, what a real Ubermensch would be is somebody that determines meaning from within rather than what they've been taught. I can see where that would have been a cool like quip. But man, it really right. works. I'm pretty sure that it was somebody explaining what Nietzsche actually meant in refutation to the the common misinterpretation uh, linking yeah linking of like Nazi Germany because I'm pretty sure, like Aryan the, the whole Aryan race and blah 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 they are the Ubermensch uh, they would use that to describe because they happen to speak the same language they would use the same words ich, ich bin ein awesome right uh, <laughs> wow i see i don't even know why i just said right so excitedly just then um but um hold on I'm, i can't i can't talk and focus on pouring my next glass at the same time um the um so i i I'm pretty sure that he was just refuting the common concept concept of uh, Ubermensch. And I just kind of took that as like, oh, well, that's what Nietzsche really meant, having never read Nietzsche myself. So I'm kind of relying on the, the expertise and the, the authoritative voice of somebody from that I like that read somebody that wrote some blog post. 15 years ago uh who may have not been qualified for the position <laughs> to write you about know, Nietzsche I think about that form of learning which is more widespread lately in our common era because of the ability for it to exist because so um we make assumptions on people because it's an economy of cognitive cognition so like that's where racism kind of comes in is like people are told like black people are bad or they'll steal or they're lazy or whatever shitty thing shitty uh trope that you have and so people grow up like boxing that in like oh i can see the color of their skin so i can make these assumptions i've already got that assumed whereas like even like visually when we look at something we're not physically seeing it. it's not a mechanical function we perceive patterns we perceive contrast differences and then we we balance that against this whole library that we've accumulated across the course of our lifetime of patterns and movements and weights and differences and we sort it together to look like a bottle of wd-40 but we're not actually physically it's like if you take a piece of film and you take a lens and it projects on the wall our eyes don't really do that they they send in impulses and then our brain our visual cortex takes all the other reference points and assimilates it to what we know it to be and so whenever we think about oh cool um i i am on facebook and i follow these groups uh because i like these things we have that trust we have that same like well this is my reference point this is my handy dandy guidebook and we we start to believe those things and if you make good choices in who you put in your bubble it's super fucking awesome you can learn a lot of shit just by reading headlines and you save yourself the time. It gives you entry points to, to bodies of knowledge you may not have otherwise. But what sucks is whenever it's like, 
the election was stolen. They're not letting us see the signatures. We're taking this court, this case to court. And it's all fucking lies. And 30 failed court cases later, you have grandmas, grandpas, aunts, and uncles that won't talk to their kids because they really think that something happened that didn't happen. And well, well, it's, a, it's, a, just a, it's a sad abuse of what could be an amazingly efficient function. Well, I, I think what you're hitting on is the, the thing that we were talking about last night, which was the how we disseminate information. Uh, you disseminate information based on your past experience, like uh, because we, we'd never actually experience the world. We, we don't ex- there is to curb a phrase from true detective, we are consciousness in a locked room. All we've got are windows and outside, like the best way that we can experience the world is just looking through those fucking windows. And so we never actually experience the true reality of things. So the best we can ever manage to do is like interpret things based on past experience or how we've been programmed to understand them, which so, wow, I kind of lost my train there. No, um, so, okay, like what you reminded me of, those appeared when I was like probably 24, 25, and I had this real issue with um, the delay that happens between, like I said, I was driving, and I can see it now in my head. I was driving on Highway 82 from Stamps to Louisville to visit my mom, and there's like that m- however many milliseconds delay between what is happening in reality then the like the photons hit your retina and it transmits into your brain. Oh, and that the um, the um, the the baseball idea. Have you heard about that? I don't know. The so there is like between the signal between the light hitting your retina and reaching your brain and then your brain deciding to move your arm. There is no way for somebody to catch a fly ball in baseball. Oh. They're like it's impossible. Like you're as fast as the electricity going through yeah. our nervous system is. There's no fucking way for us to actually do that. So there is a certain amount of uh, processing power in our brain that is dedicated just to prediction, uh. just to like <laughs> if it's if it's going this way, and you. Like, the light is not hitting our, our retina. Like, all of those processes are not happening fast enough to see where that ball actually fucking is. So our brain tells us where it is, and we see where it is. Or see we see, actually see where, it's, where that ball is going to be yeah. to allow us to catch it. Does that make sense? I think that's kind of what you were talking about. Yeah, because like we don't actually, we're not really experiencing what we think we're experiencing, and like it's not. I keep going back to this phrase that it's not a mechanical function, because it's almost like it's um, spoke like our the way our language is structured speaks of it that way. Like um, I was talking to somebody the other day about how language limits the way we can uh, understand the world. So like I remember reading about some. Uh, Asian language where they didn't have a word for the future necessarily like whatever you said you're doing whatever you say is going to happen is happening now and so they don't have a problem with debt 
It's not like, I'm going to pay that off later. I'm going to put it on my credit card. Not just, I'll pay it off later. I'll pay it off. I'll get paid on Friday, and then I'll pay it off later. I'll just, you know, go ahead and get this big TV. Or I'll go right. ahead and get this fast food and this beer and uh, this and that. Anyway, um, but in our language, we do have terms like that that allow us to, to stilt up illusions that we're going to do something later that we may not do, that we even deep down we know we're probably not going to do. But we're able to, like, make up this cardboard room in our head out of the language that we have on hand, and it lo- allows us to make these bad choices. Whereas another like, – so there's another example in Korea – when they started having pilots, they had to teach the pilots to speak to each other in English because they have a hierarchy between the older people and the younger people. And when you're an older person, you have authority. When you're a younger person, you cannot tell them that they're the older person, they're doing something wrong. So if they're per- you're both pilots and the elder is making a fucking mistake, you don't have the language to correct him. So they taught them English, and in English, they're just transmitting ex- information. There is not so- a betrayal of the hierarchy. So, like, in in that situation, like, they, they're incapable of performing that action because their language dictates exactly how they're there to act. Right, there's not a door. And so whenever I think about how right. we talk about our own experience in our biology and how our cognition and the seat of consciousness, I feel like our language doesn't <laughs> provide the faculties for us to really understand that you are not seeing and feeling the things that you think you're seeing your brain is is performing all these amazing functions okay so have you heard of psychotic motion it's like a thing the eye does okay so if you look over here and then you look to your right your brain your eyes don't move in a smooth motion they jerk they twitch they go from position right. to position that's how they work so what, unless they're unless they're following a specific object yeah so what your brain does is it literally mutes that that time so it's not like it, it you don't see a black spot your brain tells you that that millisecond that your eyeball jerked from left to right your brain tells you that that time didn't happen but your experience makes it cohesive and so they actually hit some they've added up how many seconds per day these milliseconds add up to and how many of those seconds add up to in a year there's like however much time minutes maybe 20 minutes a year that your brain says it never happened and you don't feel any different it's like the editing room and so is that why is that why time just seems to fly by in a walgreens filling station in a pharmacy (laughs) sorry i think that is a different feature of the mind but (laughs) but that is um but that's one of those things where we uh we are more much more the passenger than we i don't know are probably well, comfortable accepting right because it's critical to our sense of self that we are like we are anything we see and observe and experience uh in our little meat prison in our skull is real because if we if we're ever faced with the possibility that that's not fucking real we we fall apart like we we it's like like you zoom in too much okay so like if you zoom out too much everything seems meaningless and if you zoom in too much everything seems untrue or untrustworthy wow possibly like do you 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 have to accept you like 
you, you're clinging to this idea that like, yes, what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, what I'm thinking about is real, because if it's not, what does the, what the fuck does that mean? It, yeah. It, yeah. Oh God, I'm not real. Yeah. And I think the, the truth is like, yeah, you're, you're not real. You're, you're firing electrons that are dreaming of being a person. And then one day when that dream is finally broken, that's, that's usually when you die. Have you ever had a dream where you woke up and in the dream and then you woke up in real life? Yes. Yes, I have. I feel like that's more common among people, but it's not a common dream to have, like, regularly. I don't think people have that all the time. But I'm like the whole Inception right, concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was one time that um, I was working at Walgreens in Searcy, Arkansas, and I woke up in the dream, and I go to work, and there's this dude, uh, Tyler, Taylor, Taylor, and who worked in the pharmacy. And I was like, I was in the pharmacy, and I was telling Taylor about how I had this crazy dream, da 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 And then I woke up from that dream, and I was actually awake. I was in my house, and I go to work, and Taylor's there, and I'm in the pharmacy. And I was like, dude, I had a dream. I probably shouldn't even tell you because I don't want to wake up again. But it was um, it was strange. It was strange. Hey, do you like that movie Inception, though? Do you like that movie? Do you, Are you a Christopher Nolan fan? I, I, I do, but I want to ask you a question. Yes. What's what made the dream any less real than when you actually approached Tyler and said, "Hey, I had a dream." So I'm kind of glad you asked that because, like, if I were to just try and say how crazy that was, how there was no difference, then it would have been like I'm trying to overstate the point. Um, the but the that was the conflict. That that's kind of goes back to a uh, something that I was talking about. I think. Uh, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, uh, where it's like, okay, well, w- what really decides the value of anything? Uh, how do we decide on whether some this is valuable and this is not? Um, how do we decide what's real and what's, what's not? How is the unreal any less real than anything else if all we are is a hunk of meat in a locked room. So how is your dream any less real than when you, quote-unquote, actually approach Tyler to say, hey, I had a dream? So that's a cool question, actually. Um, I have, uh, I may have a substantial answer uh, of my thoughts, of my thoughts, thoughts on that thing. So I have, yes, I, have, I, I will shut up for a second. Well, I have one tattoo and it is a circle with some lines in it, and it represents a map of all what I, what I considered at one point to be all of existence. And so the lines represent the different levels. Um, it's a very at the time. Well, you don't still. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a very very Sorry. simple drawing, and I, I can't really describe it other than it's a circle with some lines going horizontal across it, and then one line going down through the middle. Um, so each horizontal line as you go up is a different level of how reality works so the very bottom line is where we are now everything is concrete so if you think about superposition where the cat is in the box and it's both dead and undead these are these unpotentiated outcomes that we're all which 
Which was a joke made oh, by the guy. Yeah, by yeah. Schrodinger, not actually. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, 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 that's another ahead. one of those like misunderstood things like we're talking with with Superman right. possibly. Okay. Yeah. And so, but e- even aside from that, like in your life, you pull up to the stop sign, you go left or right, or you could um, either show up to work today or not, and deal with those consequences. But at the moment, you are only living with the consequences of what you have already chosen. This shit is solid. That beer bottle over there, if I break it, it is broke. Like, it is sitting there. I could pick it up with my hand. But now the next level up kind of represented the dream world. And it's these things that are more amorphous where, like, if you go into a dream, really your brain is just, like, taking all these experiences and it's following them away. And your consciousness is like sailing along through them. It's sometimes it's non sequiturs because like you you're in your house and you walk through a room and all of a sudden you're in your second grade classroom and it's like how are these two buildings connected? But you just kind of go with it, um, which is what's weird about a dream is you don't question those things. So then the next level up though is supposed to represent the afterlife, where things are even far more amorphous. Like information is free flowing. It's these and time. Like you can suddenly travel back in time. You can see futures and across generations and anybody in your bloodline that you, you know, you're related to. Like it's all these things. Kind of oh, here's the dead pets that I loved. Like it's these ideas of what the afterlife is, and it can it can reach into eternity. But then the top level, there's not a bifurcation of it. That line that goes down the middle of this tattoo, it doesn't continue to the top level because the top level would be this source. It's where all pure, unadulterated being and information exists. And um, it's... Uh, oh, wait, hold on. What was the original question you had? About where meaning comes from, or what is meaningful uh, or meaning? Uh, like, what? what's the difference between your dream oh, of okay. talking to Tyler? And yeah. Okay, so um, when I think about it, like I have this tattoo because uh, years ago I was I started a band and I wrote these songs and I created this whole story and mythology of these two characters and like it ended up uh, that like you know these two kids and they're playing and they're playing these games and these imaginary games and then their imaginary games go on so long they go so deep into the imagination that they grow old in their games and they're adults and suddenly the conflicts are not that a pirate is pirate ship is pulled up behind your cool little boat that you use to go chase a falling star all of a sudden it's like you hate each other and you don't trust each other and life is hard and there's money involved and and then it goes beyond that to these other fantastical ideas but it's one of those things like when we were kids we had these like imaginary problems and these little fanciful conflicts and now like we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, people are losing jobs. Like we don't. There's a guy who doesn't want to leave his authority position. Like families are confused. People are dying. My grandmother got COVID the other day. Like shit Fuck. is real weird and real, real hard. And it almost makes less sense every day. And so when it comes to the idea of like, is this real or is this a game that I would play? to test myself is it like is is it it is hard to imagine like okay well where's the dream like i could wake up from this this doesn't make any sense this is not what my life was a fucking year ago are you shitting me three years ago three years ago i had an office and now like (laughs) every every single part of my life is different other than the children that i have everything is different and so um it is hard 
to answer the question of where's the line and what's the dream. Um, now, of course, in reality, like I know I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to have the same house, same car, same job. I'm going to have the same amount of money in my bank account. Like I see the continuity. But whenever I think back to um, when I was 15 years old and I met this really cool chick and uh, we dated for like a couple months, a couple weeks in the summer, like a month, a month or so, and then we lost contact. And I never, I never stopped thinking about it. like I was totally just stuck on this girl. And like I thought, man, I just wish that we could get back together and like it, it would just be so great. Four years later or three years later, we met in college and we were together on and off for like 10 years. There are things Fuck. that I've wanted in my life that I've spent years sitting with the want, sitting with the wish, and I got them. So it's real hard sometimes to think, where is the line? Where is the dream? You know what I'm saying? I would say yes to continue the conversation, but only sort of if I were being honest. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, So... Yeah, I don't know if it's the fault of the alcohol or... (laughs) Well, think of this. I remember watching this interview with Steve Jobs, and he was talking uh, about how at a certain point... Famous piece of shit. Yeah, he he talked about at a certain point in his life, he started to notice the way that the universe works. If you poke over here, this side over here pokes out. If you poke that back in, it makes something else happen. And so he just started to bend the universe in these ways and these were the way the words he used uh, more or less and so it is funny to think that there are decisions i could make today that could make my wildest dreams come true um, but it's hard to obtain that clarity of thought and that level of discipline because whatever big decision you make the biggest decisions you're going to make are going to have the biggest costs and the biggest benefits uh, I've listened to a podcast called How I Built This for a long time, and there's the guys from, mm-hmm. I think, Instagram uh, had this point where they said, you know, with all these startups, there's usually this point called Death Valley where you're flipping through a baseball card binder, but it doesn't have baseball cards in it. It has all of your maxed out credit cards. And a lot, a lot of people stop there. They quit. They get so real <laughs> that they stop. They see the consequences of their choices and they don't want to, they can't push past that cost. But if you do, and if you're lucky at the same time, then you might end up selling Instagram for $2 billion to Facebook. And so it makes me think about like, how how does this all work? So, I don't know, that sounds like, are you at all familiar with um, the, uh, I can't remember, what the, B-52 bombers in World War II? Yeah. Uh, the the big goddamn bombers that would fly like <laughs> That's what I 30 at a time uh, over Nazi Germany. So the U.S. government eventually, well, I say eventually, but it's kind of amazing that they even thought to do this. They started sending statisticians 
to the bases when the bombers would return, right? Mm-hmm. So they the bombers bombers would return, and what they had been doing was like anytime a bomber returned, uh, they would look, they would examine the the aircraft, and like any place that they took a lot of damage, they would slap a bunch more armor on that place, right? Mm-hmm. The statisti- statisticians, uh, not militarily trained, not, you know, the, like completely outside the sphere of the, uh, the army, they would look, they looked at these bombers and go, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this completely the opposite way. You're, you need to change your thinking 180 degrees. You need to look at where the bombers have taken damage and returned and stop putting armor there. <laughs> you need to put armor in the places that they didn't take damage because all you're seeing are the bombers that made it back. Does that make it does that make sense? Whoa, I did a gasp. That was that was wild. So Shit. I you're you're applying this this train of thought to people who have been successful. You're you're like, oh, you're you're basically in my mind, my fucking intoxicated mind, you're applying this thing to the people who sold Instagram for billions of dollars or sold uh, fucking Dave sold MySpace to whoever for billions of dollars and now he's the happiest person in the world because he doesn't have to deal with the shit and he's got a shit ton of money. Have you seen his Instagram? Um, it's pretty dope. I have not seen his Instagram because I'm not on Instagram. He, he replied to me one time. It was awesome. I felt like he's actually my friend. Anyway. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I left him a comment once and he like replied to Fabian. I was like, oh, shit. It's <gasps> wonderful. I, I sent an email to a podcaster that I really like once, and they replied to me personally, and I was like, oh my god, I feel like I've touched celebrity, even though probably nobody else would know the name if I <laughs> said who who emailed me. I have almost um, messaged Mark Marin before, and I was like, he might rest his back. He's, you know, he's nice like that. But anyway. No, he might. I, I still feel a little sour toward Mark Marin just because it's like... Motherfucker, you've never credited Keith and the girl. And anyway, um, I do have mixed mixed feelings about them, but like for the most part, they're positive. Uh, well, to go on an ADD, ADD tangent, uh, he was a uh, comedian who wasn't really going anywhere, and then he goes on the Keith and the Girl show, which is a show that I've been listening to since two thousand nine. I don't know, whenever I went through my first divorce and was like, God, I need voices in my head other than my own, because if I don't listen to other people, I'm going to do some stupid shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I started listening to a podcast called Keith and the Girl, and they had him on as a guest, and then, I don't know, a few months later, and the entire t- the entire episode of, with Mark Maron is him going like, well, how do you do this? Like, oh. basically him pumping them for inf- information on how they do this thing called podcasting because it was back when podcasting was still new. Uh, he's pumping them for information on how they do it, and then he's got 
a super popular, like a far more popular podcast than they do. And so I'm just like, fuck you, Mark Maron. Um, Joe Rogan has Tom Green on from time to time. And uh, he always oh credits. Tom Green is the OG motherfucker. Yeah. and it's really cool <laughs> though because like Tom uh, Joe Rogan actually does credit him a lot and like all, even when he's not a guest he's like message referenced it a lot and when he is a guest he'll speak to it and on this recently he was on there and he uh, Tom Green even kind of like you know gently told him like stop talking about it uh, or stop saying it out loud uh, he said it in a nice way but um, mm. it was interesting because. Tom Green asked him at one point, like, how did you figure out what people wanted to hear you do? Like, how did you realize, oh, if I talk about conspiracy theories, then people will want to hear that? Um, Because it showed the difference in his approach to entertainment and being an entertainer and being a figure versus like where like Joe Rogan replies, like, I've never thought of that. Like, I literally make sure that I don't think of that. And that wouldn't work Mm -hmm. for everybody. Like, not everybody is is going to make that into a $50 million Spotify deal. Uh, but it was cool right. just to hear them like exchange those approaches. I think both approaches as, are valid. As far as I know, Mark Marin has never had Keith or Hender. No, the girl. He's ne- I've never um, heard those names aside from you. Uh, Keith, it pisses me off so goddamn much. You could, you'd think that he would at least give them anyway. Wow. Uh, we have gone on a big tangent here. Um, what the fuck was I even talking about? Oh, we were talking about Cobra Kai. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, so anyway, uh, I felt incredible white guilt in the first episode. <laughs> I never watched it again. I stopped. <laughs> and there's the fucking punchline. <laughs> Um, well, I guess, okay, so we had 15 minutes before I unplugged my mic, and we have about right. an hour now. Um, I guess we can go ahead and call it for uh, for, for episode one. I, honestly, I could continue to talk, but um, oh. as far as going back and editing stuff, I'm going to keep this at a manageable level for round well, one. Well, do you want to go ahead and stop the uh, stop the recording now and then just keep talking, and then you've got material for episode two? Because I didn't even tell you about the second thing that I... I when you initially said, like, what is your, like, m- main thing? Oh, no, let's keep going. I never talked about the let's, second let's thing. Let's follow the rabbit. Are you sure? 100%. We can, like, 100% we can cut it sure. off and then we can... 100% sure. Because uh, people put, pot, like, they record podcasts and they put it in the bag and then bring it out later yeah. all the time. And I can do that um, in post. But I'm very... Okay. You, have my, you have my curiosity... Um, so my second thing is, um, okay, you're familiar with reincarnation, right? Yes. Uh, pretty much everybody is at this point, if they've ever seen the fifth. That's one of those things that would rewind a VHS tape, right? Kid movie. Um, what's that? But that's one of those things that would re- rewind a VHS tape, right? Oh yeah. Look. Rein- yeah, it's yeah. the uh, the little machine. Okay, that yeah, we're on the same half page. Half the time looks like a car, and then you just yeah. <laughs> shove it in there. I had one of those. So did I. I, I was kind. It's speaking uh, of kind, I think kind plays into reincarnation. Well, uh, so I had this idea. Um, I don't think I got it from anywhere, um, but then I've seen it since I had the idea, and I've talked to people about it. I've 
seen it in other places and I'm like, God damn, maybe, maybe young was right. Um, kind of that collective consciousness mm-hmm. thing. Um, so let's assume that reincarnation is true. Like it's a law of reality, right? You talked me into the, it. The, the, the reality that we can never actually perceive cause we're lumps of meat in a locked room. Um, anyway, let's assume that reincarnation is real. What if when we die, we are reincarnated as another person every time. So what does that mean? That means that we are reincarnated as somebody who's already, somebody who's already lived and died, somebody who will live and die. What if everybody in the world is the same goddamn consciousness either cursed or blessed or maybe it's a a challenge like you have to experience every aspect of being a person um, until there there are no possibilities left which if if you're familiar with the concept of, of I'm sure everybody is if you've watched Sliders in the 90s, uh, infinite universes. Um, until you have experienced every possible version of being a cognizant being who's a, a cognizant example of the universe experiencing itself, you're not done. So. Anytime I'm at Walgreens and I'm dealing with a meth addict who's just, or, or like an opiate addict who's just begging for their uh, hydrocodone prescription, who uh, we've rejected the prescription for, that's like I am at the same time the person telling them, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to fill the, this prescription. At the same time, I'm also will either either have been or one day will be the person who's in pain and just desperate for that opiate that they need or that they've convinced themselves they need. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I kind of I think they actually need it a little bit. Anyway, um does that make sense? So. So you are you, but either in the future or in the past, quote unquote, you've also been me. And I have also been my wife. I have been my children. Uh, the, this, the, the sing, this singular instance of consciousness has also been my fucking five-year-old who's in bed right now uh, so just kind of in a bill murray groundhog's day way like when we die we are reincarnated as the next iteration of consciousness and then we have to live through that so we have to be like that's a a uh fucking a goad or a uh 
uh, an incentive to be kind to one another because every time we're cruel to somebody, we're only being cruel to ourselves. Does that make sense? I can tell you two things. Okay. One, I can tell you. Second, I can also tell you, but I will cut out of this podcast. Okay. The first was a Facebook status I made once, a few years ago, um, about how I w- wish there was one last um, Quantum Leap episode that explained how... That's probably where I fucking got it, was Quantum Leap. <laughs> I, I, I wish you could pull, I wish you could pull it up right now because I phrased it so well. I spent time crafting what I was feeling into words about how Samuel Beckett continues to leap, and he leaps until he has leapt through every single person on Earth, billions of people, but within the span of his own lifetime, and then he starts over. He starts over at the first person. At some point, or one of the one of the people, he repeats one finally, and he starts to realize, oh, this is what it was. It's not that I was one person leaping into other bodies. It's all um, the same um, person. Yeah, it's like if you whip a chain, that wave that moves across every single chain link, he was the wave. And so he realizes... To fix this, I have the opportunity to be in concert with all of me ever. And so each leap that he makes, and he has to make multiple rounds through billions of people until he creates a utopia where life on earth transcends within his lifetime, what, 38 years to the next level of whatever, to godhood, whatever you would even call that, to where everyone makes every step for the benefit in concert for everyone. Because that's the truth. The truth is not that anyone's, no one's going to fucking win. Like, there's not a separation between us. And so that's the first thing. That was the first thing. Um, Okay. So when you... Okay, hold on. Let me me clap so you can cut... All right, so I'm going to um, – we'll bring it back in uh, in three, two, one. So for the second thing that I'm going to uh, substitute that I can tell you is uh, <laughs> one time I uh, – okay, so you do – you read comic books? Um, after I read The Death and Life of Superman, the novelization of The, the Death of Superman – I went hardcore into the 90s Superman comics. After that, not really. Okay. So there's a guy named Grant Morrison. And, uh, yes, he, I'm familiar okay, with that. Cool. Guy. Yeah, he's on All-Star Superman. All-Star Superman. Yeah. Um, and he also did um, the comic book that The Matrix sort of ripped off. Um, and he's okay. fucking fascinating. Well, I don't know if they ripped it off or if they just had the same idea at the same time. Kind of goes back to the the conversation we just had about like that is a good point uh, i don't know if i just if i had this idea or if i just happened to be living at a time where all of these contexts and everything like confluenced and bred in my mind the same idea at the same time as some other person well anyway i know that darwin and another dude like published 
the theory of evolution within months of each other. So it happens. Um, and yeah. So uh, Grant Morrison also, if you um, if you like, just go to iTunes or uh, not iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts and search his name. You'll find like Kevin Smith episodes, a Nerdist episode. I, I'm glad you brought up Kevin Smith because I've heard Grant Morrison on the Kevin Smith yeah. uh, podcast. I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. Because Kevin Smith has like fucking five of them yeah. running concurrently. He, he gets it. Uh, Grant Morrison is a goddamn wacko. And I don't know if that's my fault or... <laughs> no, he's there. Uh, everything he says is ends in like an upward pitch as if it's a question because he's Irish, Scottish, and it makes you listen closer. I, I don't um, know what the fuck he is. But he... But okay. I'm pretty sure he's a goddamn wacko. So on YouTube, uh, if you were to look All up, I can remember about Grant Morrison and on Kevin Smith is him talking about something about the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> a public restroom. I don't remember anything else. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Sorry. So he, uh, if you go onto YouTube, there's a, a Grant Morrison clip where he talks about the secret of life. He's at a comic convention, and some faceless, nameless, unknown interviewer uh, who probably has his own little little YouTube channel, uh, jokingly, right. you can tell he's like just kind of doesn't have any real questions. He's like, hey, uh, what's the me- what's the secret of life? What's the meaning of life? And what the f- Grant Morrison answers the fucking question. Like, so he's he's like, let me throw out a question that you can't answer. And Grant Morrison's like, fuck you, motherfucker. I'll answer this goddamn question. You know, it's hard to say if it was if it was a test or if it was this kid flopping in the water because he didn't know what to say to this dude who's right. so cool. And the dude who was so cool was benevolent. And actually imparted the wisdom. So here's what he said, more or less. Let me take your joke question and let me treat it like it's serious. You did. You don't even realize that you just struck gold with your shovel, son. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it's worth looking up. Hold on, I'll paraphrase it. So, if you were to see time differently, we see time only as the moment because that's just biologically how we evolved. We have to try and like look out for the leopard in the grass. But if you could see it the way it is, the past doesn't disappear. The past is a physical place. We're like that that whip. If you take that chain and you whip it, and that wave that goes to the chain or the ripple across the surface of the water, that's what we are. We're that piece of energy pushed across the fabric. And so um, that's how we experience time, but that is not what the fabric of time is. Um, Space and time are tied together, so they both have physical places. So the past is a physical place and if you could see everything in its reality and you looked at me you would see the snake of every step that I took to come down to my basement leading back up the stairs back up to where I got my laptop bag back out to the car where I grabbed my headphones back out to the store where I grabbed a beer back out to work all of that all the way back into my mother's womb and you would see that for every single person that you will ever see, these trails, these tracers, these snakes going back into their parents. Have, ha, ha, wow, goddamn. Ha, have you ever, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm a fucking nerd who relates everything back mm-hmm. to uh, media. Have you ever seen True Detective? I started it and uh, wasn't able to finish it. Um, the the first season, um, the I don't know if he's the main character or is one of the characters describes says 
uh, time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done, everything we've ever we ever will do, everything, uh, everything, uh, our entire experience is set. It 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 exists in this flat circle that anybody in the fourth dimension or the fifth dimension mm. or whatever would be able to just look at, and we would be able to see the all of our experiences on this disc. Which you were reminding me of as you were describing that. So sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, okay, I'll have to. I'll have to come back to that. You made me think of something. Anyway, um, so if you look at this the world this way, and then you look at those snakes leading back in this first generation into our own mothers, and then the next generation, and the next, 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 all the way back to the Eve mitochondria. Because that is how life has worked. From the primordial soup, where these proteins started to form, and one cell stumbled into itself and began to split and was successful. It formed everything from the trilobite to the brontosaurus to us. There is no broken chain. There are no two origin points there is one so if you could look at this thing it would look like a sea anemone that spanned a billion years and it, if you want to look at this a little differently let's take that everything is everything let's use a metaphor now look at the surface of a lake and it's calm it's still it's just flat water and you see five little things poking out of the water. They're smooth, they're slightly rounded, they're flesh-colored. These independent five little separate things. Now, because you are fourth dimensional in this example, you can plunge beneath the surface of the water. They are the fingertips of a man. And underneath the water is one individual person. So where we see eight billion fingertips in the moment underneath the water is one person and that is how we are all connected and I don't think it's unreasonable I kind of like it I I kind of like it too I have since I watched that fucking video 10 years ago I haven't let go of it it gives me gives me what I want like I would, I like that better than the Bible, and it's an offhand answer to a bullshit question <laughs> at a comic con. Yeah. Well, you never know when you're gonna draw inspiration. I will be you really right don't. back if you can, if you can. Uh, hold on, just one second. I've got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Not a problem. I'll join you. Well, I'll, uh, right. on my end. <laughs> right. Right. Welcome back, everybody, to KVMA. It's 108. Coming up in the next hour, we've got Linda Ronstadt, Peter Cetera, and Steve Winwood. Uh, tonight, it looks like we're going to have lows in the mid-30s, highs in the mid-60s. Uh, partly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of rain. 
So Thursday is going to be sunny with highs in the mid-60s and lows in the 40s. Friday, partly cloudy with the highs of 55, lows in the 30s, so better be bundled up that day. Saturday will be sunny again with 52 and lows in the 34s. And Sunday, ooh, 60% chance of rain, so you may want to stay in that day. Corwin, back to you. <laughs> nice, that, nice. Was this a little sample of how you were at 17? Yes, yes. Doing radio? I figured, uh, I figured I'd bring it back. Um, are you, are you on Twitter? I'm not. Mm, you, so you don't follow the president's Twitter? I follow it as far as the uh, what gets shared? Trump criticizes Trump on okay. Reddit. <laughs> Man, it is, and it's amazing. Oh my god, it's amazing. I mean, I know shit like that's already overspoken and overstated and overanalyzed. Um, I just, I'm just speaking about it in the sense of it's worth signing up for Twitter just to see it as it happens in real time. It is so unthinkable that former reality TV show host gets to say the things he says. It's just amazing. Right. Oh, I saw a, a uh, YouTube, a Yahoo headline that said, son of former reality TV show host Donald Trump tests positive for COVID. And I was so happy. I was like, yes. I think I may have overestimated how much I could handle as far as alcohol goes. I may have to call it because I'm feeling a little sick. Oh, that's good. That's fine. We're at an hour so. 32 on this with 45, 15 minutes on the previous track. So I think we are okay. set. And actually, like, I got out of this what I wanted. I've had a fucking blast. This has been me too. really great conversation. Like, yeah, let's do it again, man. Absolutely. Like next week. Yes. And um, since the system works, I'll get our uh, our guest set up. And I believe with this Discord group, we should be able to have three people together. Doesn't seem like that is that okay. doesn't. I don't see any obstacle with that. Um, glad this works. Uh, at your convenience, send me your track, and we'll get it all put together. Will do. Ben, thank you for your time. I much appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. Adios. All right.